Oh, Christ is risen. I told you we're going to say it a lot. We're going to say it a lot because those three words, Christ is risen. There we go. Man, are they good. It's why we love Easter. I mean, I love Easter. I love saying that phrase. Doesn't matter if you start it or if somebody else does, you hear it and it should just fire you up on Easter. Once I had an uncle who said it all the time during Easter, we'd be eating quiche. He'd shout it out, and you better believe food in the mouth didn't matter. You would respond, and you would shout it out, because it is what gets Easter going. But what do you, uh, what do you say after? Do you say, like, a uh, nice donut? You know, you have the great response, and then you're like, crazy weather. Has anybody been doing, like, oh, man, gas, am I right? Prices, obviously not natural, sir. This is a sermon. Maybe you hit them with, uh, you know, Christ is risen, he's risen indeed, so what's new? But it just gets the Easter going. But after you say it, you really do have a lot of choices. You know, all four gospel accounts complete their narrations of the gospel of Jesus with a story or stories of Jesus' resurrection. Each one comes at it in a different direction. They provide different details. But they start at an empty tomb, and they finish with a Christ is risen. Oh, my goodness. Come on now, Christ is risen. There it is. And this morning, we're going to look at John's gospel. We're going to look at his account of the resurrection story. We're going to start by looking at two different people in the text. We're going to look at Mary Magdalene and then Peter. Now, Jesus, he was crucified. He was placed in the tomb, and the tomb stayed sealed until that first day of the week. And then early, while it was still dark, something happens. And in John, Mary is going to run off alone. In the gospel, she's not the only one there, but in the gospel of John, he specifically mentions her because she runs back and starts talking to the disciples. And here's what the text says. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. See, when Mary saw that empty tomb, she thought that the body of Jesus had been stolen. See, she wasn't thinking there was going to be a resurrection or anticipating one. Nobody was. And so she runs back. But there's this interesting detail, though, that John points out that helps explain why she took off running. See, throughout John's gospel, he's been using this theme of light and darkness, At the beginning of his gospel, John said that in Jesus there was life, and that life was the light of men. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night because he doesn't quite understand, and he also wants to hide. He doesn't want people to know that he's interested in Jesus. The disciples encounter a threatening storm at night, but Jesus stands and says, I am the light of the world. We have a blind man who has lived his entire life in darkness, and suddenly through Jesus' healing, he can see. Even Jesus himself says, while you have the light, we must walk in the light and come out of the darkness. And so John takes special care to point out that it's dark. And the dark is mentioned because like we talked about on Good Friday, at Jesus' death at the cross, there is sorrow and there is a lack of understanding. Mary goes to the tomb when it's dark. And when she finds that empty tomb in her heart, it creates even more darkness. She responds, as we're going to read, disappointed, shocked, and afraid. Because darkness has this ability to consume us, to overpower us, to say, this is it. And we give in to the feelings of fear and negativity. And the women and Mary, 
Well, they had been with Jesus. They'd seen him do amazing things. They'd watched him heal people, do miracles. Jesus had always been there for them. In fact, Scripture tells us that Jesus cast out seven demons from Mary Magdalene. So they wouldn't have been immune to those rumors about Jesus' death. They would have seen it and experienced the darkness, the real darkness, when hope is gone and all we feel is alone and we just don't understand. When reality, when our life is suddenly changed for the worse, isn't what it was supposed to be. All you see is darkness. Like there's no hope at all. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb and both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Bent over, looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head, and the cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first went inside. He saw and believed, though they still did not understand from Scripture, that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Mary's running, Peter's running, John is running, faster than everybody else because he's the author. Wouldn't you write in your own short stories? You should definitely write, I am faster than everyone else. But I wonder what it was like running for Peter. And I'm not talking about getting second place. I'm talking about how remember three years prior, Jesus told Peter to leave his nets and to follow him. Out of the chaos of life, Jesus chose him. Picked him up by the hand out of that boat, looked him in the eye and gave him a new name. Called him Rock. Bold and unmovable strong. And Peter also watched Jesus heal, cast out demons, walk on water. He saw Jesus transfigured before his very eyes and even participated in a parade where people were shouting and laying down their clothes saying, hail, this is Jesus, the king. Then dinner. Peter makes this bold claim that he would die with Jesus, only to have a few hours later to run away in the garden and then later deny him three times in the palace. Scripture says that Peter wept and ran away after that third denial. And then the cross, the death of Jesus, Peter's entire future, his way of life that he had known, gone. Darkness. Anyone who has lost someone, who has lost a job, who has lost their way, you know. It doesn't take much to try to have to imagine what Peter felt like laying there at night, going over everything, every little thing that you said, every little thing you should have done, asking yourself over and over again, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? Lock yourself in your room and you try to sleep because it feels like there's just nothing that you can do. That's what Peter did. Locked himself in a room and hid, waiting for the soldiers, waiting for them to come grab him, waiting, saying, what bad thing is going to happen next? The debilitating effect that takes over whenever you combine fear with regret and shame. You know what I'm talking about, right? Your body doesn't move, but your brain can't stop. It just goes immediately to the worst. Toss and you turn. And suddenly, real early in the morning, 
There's this clinging at the gate. There's this knock on the door. There's loud voices downstairs. He goes, and it's Mary Magdalene, who's supposed to be at the tomb, but she's not there, and she's telling the disciples what they saw. And they don't believe the women, right? Some accounts say that they thought they were speaking utter nonsense. I wonder what it would have been like to hear that conversation. Let me grab a cup of coffee. It's a little bit early. Please stop. Not Peter. Peter heard it, and he gets up, and he runs. No plan, no thinking, just Forrest Gump running. And I bet he was crying, friends, when he ran. I bet he couldn't stop the tears from falling, thinking about everything he had done and wondering, what's going to happen? What am I going to find? Am I going to be able to make this right? Am I going to be able to, to, to say what I wanted to say, to do what I wanted to do? I think he arrives at that tomb. He probably takes a deep, big breath. There's a quick look at John who got there first and then goes straight into that tomb. And what does he find? He finds nothing. It's empty, just some abandoned strips of linens lying there discarded, but nothing else. And he finds nothing else because all of his worries, all of his fear, all of his shame, all of his guilt, all of his abandonment and all of his betrayal, all of these things that have had power over him now are nothing. They are empty because Jesus Christ is alive. And you better believe it's the same for us. Here's why. Because Mary's standing outside the tomb crying. She's weeping, looking over in the tomb and sees two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been at the head and the other at the foot. They say, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she says, and I don't know where they put him. And she turns. I think the angels gave her a little like, yo, look behind you. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but didn't realize it was Jesus. And he says, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go get him. And then comes Jesus saying one word. Just one word. Friends, I hope that your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength is drawn to this verse, right? 16. Here it is. Jesus said to her, Mary, out of the darkness comes one word, a name. He calls us out of darkness by name, by name, your name, out of any disappointment, out of any fear, out of any running around being confused, out of your tears and suffering or your isolation, the risen Lord Jesus calls you out of darkness by name to him. Friends, no sin keeps you from him. No pain or suffering keeps you from him. No darkness keeps you from him because you belong to him. Jesus didn't reveal himself to Mary by telling her who he was, but by simply calling her name, and she knew she was loved. And so are you, chosen by God, known by him, and he comes to you. Is that not what baptism is? Your name spoken, but his name given. Is this not the words broken and shed for you? This is a personal meal where he comes to you. And is it not your name that the Lord himself has written in the book of life? Because by name, Jesus calls you, takes you out of darkness, takes you from this empty being and fills you, fills you with resurrection and wonder, resurrection and song, resurrection and hope, resurrection and life. He calls out your name and we respond by calling out his saying, she turns and goes in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus says, don't hold on to me, for I've still got work to do. I haven't yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them. You know, he had never called the disciples brothers. He'd called them friends. But through the resurrection, we become children of God, family. 
Go and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary goes to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. See, when Jesus calls her name, she believes, she knows, she sees. Moves from darkness to light to resurrection. And we call out the name Jesus, the name in which salvation is found, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved than Jesus. We call out the name Jesus because we are filled with his wonder and joy. And though darkness may be there, we have the light of the world, Jesus Christ. And we can see that the promises he has made, he will be faithful to keep. For the one who promised to rise three days later keeps his promises of giving us the abundant life, of preparing each one of us a place with him, of giving us his kingdom, giving us purpose, giving us resurrection. Out of the darkness, Christ is risen. risen Yes, we call out that name of Jesus and say he's risen. And instead of darkness, we tell of the resurrection of Jesus. We tell that the emptiness of life can be filled, filled with purpose and joy, not by some ideas that we think we can pursue, but the purpose and joy of being and having life in Jesus, experienced in him. You call out that name of Jesus and live, live in his momentum of his resurrection. For it is in his resurrection that the powers of of anxiety and guilt, those feelings that we have of inadequacy and unworthiness are reduced to the nothing that they are. Their sting, their power is gone, and they are shown to be empty. And we are filled with a resurrection power, a resurrection joy, a momentum that can never be stopped no matter what comes our way. For our hearts go not to an empty tomb of nothing, but we go to Jesus Christ. There's a reason we say Christ is risen and not the tomb is empty. It's empty indeed. It's not about that. It's about Jesus And that's when we experience the change. Oh, dude, if you're up here, bro, you got to play. You've got a violin. We experience a change where suddenly our prayers are like that mountain stream flowing calmly and strongly down under the surface of our lives, moving, changing, being formed by the Spirit, songs being sung in our homes, resounding across them through our work to our school. We fill the air with the love and the sound and the news of Jesus. And we see everything in wonder, fresh eyes and joy, in light, not darkness, marveling at the work of God in our lives. Jesus fills us with the news of his resurrection wonder. That's what Easter is. That's the good news, the gospel, the very hope that restores that Christ is risen. And now you want to know what you're supposed to say after that? You say, Alleluia. You say, Alleluia, because praise God. You can talk about donuts and gas when you want to, but man, when you hear Christ is risen, risen. Alleluia, we praise God for what he does because he has brought light into darkness, life into death. He is the King of kings, the risen Lord Jesus. So let us sing. Let us sing of the King of Kings. Let us give praise to God. Will you stand with me? And as we sing this next song.